Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trading lower this morning following a heavy bout of selling on Wall Street overnight. Tokyo and Sydney are both down more than 2%. Seoul is in the red as well. Concerns about interest rates, inflation and the R-word, recession, are dominating market sentiment. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How are you feeling, Ryan Huang? Happy Friday, Michelle. I am feeling great. How about you? Fantastic. I'm looking forward to the weekend. The Bears are back. If I was recording a song today, I would definitely call it that. The gains from Wednesday's post-Fed rally quickly evaporated overnight as investors across the globe sold off. NASDAQ tumbling 4%, the S&P 500 more than 3%. The Dow finished below the 30,000 mark for the first time in nearly a year and a half. The index has now effectively given back all of last year's gains. Now, I know it's difficult to pinpoint the selling on one factor, but I'm going to ask you to do it anyway. What was the impetus for the sell-off, Ryan? I will put it down to... Recession, <laughs> at least fears of a recession. That seems to be picking up as we see investors start to digest what's been happening in the past week or so. We've got FOMC hiking first. And then that kind of sparked off a race to hike among other central banks. So overnight, we've got SMB, the Swiss National Bank, the BOE. So you've got this picture emerging of central banks becoming more hawkish. And that is now starting to raise concerns that it could trigger a recession on the horizon. And that, of course, is not going to be great news for the economy, for people's jobs, and so on and so forth. So that kind of is seeping into the market in terms of negative sentiment. And the other thing we are watching out for is all the indications, at least all the uh, market predictions. JP Morgan is saying the indications on the S&P 500 is implying an 85% chance of a US contraction. So if you look at what the experts, the market watchers are now saying and echoing in the headlines, that is just going round and round when you get headlines around inflation, around recession. When investors read into these headlines, they have to, in some sense, react to it. So mm. that's what's playing out right now. Selling pressure on Wall Street was across the board. Small cap stocks did even worse than the blue chips. The Russell 2000 index sank more than 4.5%. Now, CNBC's Jim Cramer says there are several schools of thought about the current market, but only one worth listening to. He says retail investors should stay the course because while they there will be more losses. The markets can turn on a dime as well. What do you think about this strategy? Yeah, it's very sound advice. We've heard this time and again from mm. many wise investors from the likes of Warren Buffett to anyone who's been in the markets for a long time. They've seen all these cycles play out and they've seen how when markets go down, they have to go up. But of course, the question is when. So mm. markets eventually will recover. And here is what he is saying. You need to be invested in markets like this and things are now so volatile things really swing quite fast as we've seen how the rally was so short-lived things really swung around uh, if you look at how markets can swing up as well uh, you want to be invested when things are going up by the time they go up you could be too late getting back into the markets and that is where he's saying no you want to be invested time in the market is more important than timing the market so quite a fundamental um, advice coming through from Jim Cramer. Absolutely. The US Federal Reserve's decision to raise interest rates by 75 basis points at Wednesday's meeting is causing ripple effects across the globe, putting additional pressure in some ways for other central banks to follow suit. Investors received a jolt overnight when the Swiss National Bank hiked interest rates for the first time since 2007. Can you fill us in, Ryan? 
Yeah, I also want to actually point out to, about some of the other factors that Jim Cramer put out. Uh, here's an interesting one. Pessimistic business. So here's one for you to chew on. Don't listen to all the rich guys talking about what they believe is going to happen to the markets because they are in a different planet. So moving on to what central banks are going to be, I guess, doing or have been doing, the Swiss National Bank was in action and it was a surprise rate hike. So we saw them raise their rates for the first time in 15 years. So it was a surprise because market watchers were expecting them to move under the cover of the European Central Bank, which has not moved yet. It is moving next month. That's what is widely communicated. So they were expecting the ECB to move and then the SMB, but the Swiss National Bank felt it was important enough for them to move by 50 basis points to address inflation. And also, I think it's a bit of FOMO. They're trying to catch up with the FOMC, which has moved quite significantly with the 75 basis point rate hike. SPI Asset Management, Stephen Innes, writes the Fed has, quote, unleashed the central bank hawkish genie from the bottle. In the case of Switzerland, the Swiss National Bank is concerned that a weak currency will lead to higher energy prices and imported inflation. So it's raising rates to boost the Swiss franc. The Bank of England also raised rates yesterday, its fifth increase in as many meetings. What is the story here? Yeah, it was pretty much expected. Fifth rate hike in a row. So we have a 25 basis point hike and a pretty hawkish message, message coming through from the BOE governor, Andrew Bailey. So mm. it did, interestingly, see the sterling uh, drop at first in reaction to the BOE hiking, 25 basis points. I think it was a reaction to how some market watchers were hoping for a bigger rate hike, maybe to the tune of 50 basis points, to really keep in line with what the FOMC was doing earlier. That did not come through, so a bit of a knee-jerk response. But worth noting, it has bounced back since quite strongly. And we are looking at sterling uh, now up by 1.5% to 1.234. And also in the same fashion, we are seeing the Swiss franc enjoying a bit of a bounce. It is now up by 1.4% versus greenback on its best single day in almost one month. This morning, all eyes are on Tokyo, where the Bank of Japan will release a monetary policy statement around 11 a.m. Singapore time. Now, unlike the Fed, the BOJ has been on a dovish course. It's been reluctant to raise rates as inflation has not been a serious issue in Japan since, well, before I can remember, actually. In May, though, consumer prices there beat the central bank's 2% target for the first time in seven years. At the same time, Japan's low interest rate policy has led to a significant sell-off of the Japanese yen. Ryan, what are you looking for in the BOJ's announcement today? You never know when it comes to central banks, this week at least. We had a surprise on SMB. BOJ, for a long time, has been widely expected not to do anything. But with the Swiss National Bank surprising markets, no, we could be in for another surprise. But going by most market watchers' estimates and forecasts, the BOJ not expected to move because of the different policy settings and backdrop. Like you pointed out, it is facing inflation that is not high enough for what it wants to achieve. You've got the economy still going through a bit of a sluggish time and they need policy to be accommodative. At the same time, the friction comes with the very weak Japanese yen, which is now near 24-year lows. Weak is good for exports, but too weak will also have problems and pain down the road. So they need to reach a bit of a, uh, I guess, balancing act. Maybe we could be in for some 
jawboning, some talking about how down the road they may be ready. So a bit of a hawkish message mm. to come through from the Japanese um, bank, but maybe nothing material from today's action. One last central bank question for you, Ryan, before we're going to move on. What are investors currently expecting from the Monetary Authority of Singapore? Will we see tighter monetary policy here and perhaps higher mortgage rates, higher credit card rates, etc. along with that in the near future? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it's worth noting the MAS does not move interest rates. It moves the strength of the Sing dollar by making the slope of the near band or the width of this um, band wider or narrower or steeper if it needs to just make it stronger down the road. So something to watch out for as we see many central banks try to keep pace with the FOMC. So the MES also on that bandwagon and we are expecting more pressure on Asian central banks, including Singapore, to keep pace. Like you pointed out, mortgage rates are expected to go up. But it's quite a tough one to call. If you look at what economists have been saying, it's a bit of a divided camp. Some are saying the MAS may see some urgency to make an off-cycle move before October, the routine meeting in October, mm-hmm. like we saw in January. But if you look at another camp, they are saying there's enough room for the Sing dollar to appreciate within the band before it hits its upper bound limit. So based on expectations and how they are reading into the crystal ball when it comes to how inflation will take off, that is uh, right now seeing and it's quite divided on what MS will do. Enough with the macro picture. Let's turn now to something a little lighter, our Elon Musk report. Now, Musk held a 45-minute meeting with Twitter employees overnight, his first direct conversation with them since announcing plans to take over and privatize the social media company. In typical Musk style, he talked about a lot of topics, including aliens and the meaning of life. For the record, Musk says he has seen no actual evidence for aliens. Now, Ryan, Twitter employees employees were largely focused on Musk's comments about remote work. Twitter currently has a policy that permits it. Musk's primary company, Tesla, has taken a very different approach, though. We all remember Musk telling remote workers to look for jobs elsewhere if they don't work, uh, you know, from where they're supposed to within company grounds. Is there middle ground? What did Musk tell Twitter employees? I'm not sure if Twitter employees should be jumping in the air over what they were hearing from Elon Musk. So it's a bit of a yes-no, kind of maybe. So he said... If you produce exceptional work, you don't have to worry about your job. He doesn't really care if you work from home or work from wherever, as long as you make exceptional work. So he's saying he'll be insane to fire anyone who produces exceptional work. And then the question mark is, I think, within the lines, right? He did not say about everything else. What if you're not exceptional? Uh, Is your job in danger? He didn't really commit to it. But I think going by what he's been saying for his other companies, you might expect to some level a similar kind of policy setting in wherever he is going to be putting his hands in. All right, the bias firmly towards working in place. Now, aside from his comments for exceptional workers, were there any other key takeaways from this meeting? Yeah, so it was interesting to see how he was trying to answer all the questions and try to get everyone on board his vision for Twitter. And part of that vision is bringing Twitter's user numbers to 1 billion. So he came up with a 
an idea of a subscription model and charging people to verify their accounts. Maybe that could work. If you want a blue tick, you have to pay for it. Uh, also, he talked about advertising, but at the same time, he talked about how he's worried about the number of bots on Twitter right now. No details in terms of how he wants to carry out these plans, um, but that seemed to be an indication of where he is heading. If you look at where he is heading, it is also a question mark. Addressing questions about whether he's committed to buy Twitter, he did not make any commitments. So that time will come in October. For now, it's quite a very difficult time to be working in Twitter. Uh, Worth noting as well, just before the meeting, Twitter cancelled the company's retreat to Disneyland. That was supposed to happen in January. So not super morale for Twitter stuff. Not happy days at Twitter. Twitter employees and, well, the rest of us are still wondering if Musk's 44 billion US dollar purchase of Twitter will go through. So do we really learn nothing more on this front besides wait till October? He seems to be quite committed in the sense that he's laying out all these plans. No, he's doing his homework. He's doing his research. So he is really committed in a sense that he wants something done in his terms, on his terms. All right. Companies at another Musk company, SpaceX, have written an internal letter to executives that is highly critical of their CEO. Ryan, what did they say? Okay, so I guess this was coming, right? You've got Elon Musk's report and it's usually not about his companies. It's about what he's tweeting, what he's saying. And for SpaceX employees, it seems like they have had enough and they had an open letter that employees put together and called him a distraction. So they come up with a list of three demands. The letter says SpaceX must quickly and explicitly separate itself from the Elon Musk personal brand. It also wants to hold all leadership equally accountable Mm. to making SpaceX a great place to work for everyone. So it kind of implies different people have different treatment levels. And also, finally, define and uniformly respond to all forms of unacceptable behavior. So it seems like there's some culture issues playing out in SpaceX where not everyone is equal and they want something to be done. Indeed. Now time for more corporate news. And for this, let's turn to up or down. I'm going to stick with the social media theme and start things off with TikTok, up or down. TikTok is going to be an up for me. Mm. And it is around new features. And I guess new features are always great because it gives you a bit of excitement. Um, So here is a new feature that will allow users to see which of their followers have viewed their videos. I guess it works for advertisers who want to find out what demographics and who they can kind of monetize or advertise to. Yeah, up for me as well, a top TikTok executive, Blake Chandley, is calling out Facebook's attempts to copy TikTok by launching its own short video service. Chandley, who used to work at Facebook, says TikTok has no intention of trying to copy Facebook, though. He says TikTok is an entertainment company, while Facebook is not. So I'm going to give TikTok an up for recognizing what makes its service stand apart from others. TikTok's ad revenue is solid as well. Are you on TikTok wasting all your time? <laughs> No, I do not have enough time to waste on TikTok yet. (laughs) Entertaining yourself, I should say. I hear it's very addictive. Next up, another social media company, Snap. Okay, this would be an up for me. Also, testing a new feature. It's called Snapchat Plus. And this will allow subscribers access to exclusive and pre-release features. So 
just giving some premium stuff to people who want to pay. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what this new product, the new subscription service Snapchat Plus is all about. It'll cost five euros a month and apparently give you access to exclusive and pre-release features. For now, though, I'm going to give Snap an up for trying out a new revenue stream. Let's switch gears. What do you think of the cosmetics company Revlon? All right. This is a company, I think, for many of us growing up, we remember the likes of Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell. They were the supermodels fronting this brand, but now I think it's going to be down because it has filed for bankruptcy. So it's a big milestone for a company that's been around for so long and it really makes you sit up and take notice what happened and supply chain issues was one of them, COVID-19 as well. So something to watch out for to see if anyone else is going to be coming in the same fashion with those change in fortunes. Wow. Revlon has filed for bankruptcy protection in the US, but it's not going out of business just yet, though. It expects to receive over half a billion US dollars in financing that will let it continue its day-to-day operations. So it's a down from me when it comes to Revlon. Finally, AEM. I am going up for AEM. So this is the provider of semiconductor and electronics testing solutions, and it is expanding in the US Malaysia and Singapore adding 300 jobs. Absolutely. It looks to tap on a diverse talent pool and signifying it's growing its talent pool itself. AEM adding 300 new jobs in Singapore, definitely an up in my book. Let's turn to Singapore now. It's into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index gave back some early gains yesterday to close back below the 3,100 level. The blue chip index finished down 0.3% at 3097. What does it look like this morning and how is the SDI trading, Ryan? Yeah, we are coming off a seven-day losing streak. Yesterday was up at first and then down eventually by 0.3%. And we are seeing the STI levels near six-month lows. And bad news is it is extending those losses and going deeper down. Now at 3,088, down 0.3%. And looking at the STI, we've got most of the counters in the red. Right now, at the bottom, Johnny Matheson Holdings, lower by 3.3%. Followed closely by Sankwap Industries, Gunting Singapore, Jardine Ascenders, Reed Yajunjang Shipbuilding, all down at least 1%. At the top of the table, we've got seven counters. Uh, right now, we've got at the top SGX, which was yesterday's top loser. Now, it's making back some of those losses, up 1%, followed by DFI Retail Group, 1% as well. And alongside Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust, Comfort Delgo, Maple Tree Logistics Trust, and Maple Tree Commercial Trust. So that's the picture so far, quite subdued alongside the rest of the region. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.